Friends beyond the binary. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the podcaster. It's time for the podcaster that finally broke out his winter uh, pajamas, which just means uh, sweatpants or other pants, lounge pants. Uh, yeah, there's a big news, breaking news when I'm recording this. When you're hearing this, it'll be all, all, Scoot sets old news to us. Uh, and I'd say, you know what news is good news? Comforting news with because these pants are comfortable. They've been worn in quite a few years. They were uh, they, they were pre-2020 uh, uh, daytime sweatpants for a bit because they were called uh, athletic pants and or tra- a travel pant. It was actually singular. They singulared it to make it more appealing to wear during the day. Travel pant, uh, the travel pant. Uh, but now... They're pajama pants, which is still baffled, I guess, because there's two legs. Uh, but they don't call it a travel shirt, because uh, that would be confused. If you're confused, you're in the right place. It's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to take your mind off stuff and put you to sleep to keep you company in the deep, dark night. Because you deserve a place you can get some rest, uh, some place that's going to take your mind off stuff, keep you company, or put you to sleep. Give this show a few tries. It doesn't even work for everybody. I'll tell you that right up front. But see how it goes. Most people it works for, they say, it took two or three tries to get used to because it never made any sense at all. Uh, just like uh, you've seen so far. But I really want to help. Uh, there's a lot of people listening that know how it feels in the deep, dark night. And I've been there, tossing, turning, mind racing. So that's why I want to help too. So kick back, see how it goes. Give it a few tries. It is a bit different. We'll start off with uh, some support. Then there'll be a long, meandering intro. And then a bedtime story. Because it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, you know, things on your mind you're thinking about, thoughts, uh, you know, I have thoughts about the past, I have thoughts about the present, I have thoughts about the future, I have thoughts about, I have thoughts and feelings about my thoughts, about myself, about, you know, so many thoughts, uh, so, so, so little time, too, too many thoughts, so little, you know, how, whatever the phrase, thoughts about phrases, thoughts about famous quotations about thoughts, thinking about those quotations about thoughts, um, but it could be thoughts, it could be feelings, I was just thinking about Bartlett's familiar quotations, you used to have to buy a book, there used to be a book. I don't know if there was only one edition. Hmm, that's a good question. Was there more than one Bartlett's book? Maybe that's what tonight's episode will be about. Uh, it will be. That way I don't have to explain it all. But there was what used to be a book or, uh, I don't know, is that an anthology? Bartlett's familiar quotations or famous quotations? I don't know if, if no quotations are familiar to me. You see, that sounds familiar, Scoots, but I think you're off. 
Uh, what about Bar- here's a book I'll never want to Bartlett's familial uh, uh, quotations. Uh, it, you're doing it wrong. You uh, like uh, so many quotes from my nana about me. Uh, don't quote me again in the past. You know, don't quote me that way. Don't misquote me. Also, don't quote me. My nan- That's a quote from my nana, a real one. You know, don't call me the nana that lives in your mind, even though I'm the nana that just lives in your mind. Because you can't prove, you know, I say, okay, maybe you're not. The- I've tried meditating, nana. And they say, don't, you know, go, don't, you know, put yourself outside of your head or whatever they say in those meditations. And I say, yeah, no, my nana, well, she's everywhere within me, my nana. She's everywhere within me, especially when I'm with, you know, especially when I'm misquoting her. Don't quote. Oh, boy. There you go. Oh, there's another one. There you go again. <laughs> that one. Or, or usually she says, there he goes again. Too much Kool-Aid. There's another one. Quotes, made up quotes about my made up Nana. Bartlett's book of made up quotes about a made up Nana pending in, uh, Whatever, because uh, they said, you can't call our book that. I said, really? Oh, just just you wait. There's another one. Just just wait. Uh, just you wait, usually Nana says. Uh, don't call. you. Don't. Oh, uh, this one's me. Don't call me on your Nana phone. And she says, oh, then this is another quote from my Nana. Don't worry. I'll get, eventually, there may be a sleep podcast here. Uh, oh, I already forgot. Don't. Uh, don't, uh, what did I say? Don't call me on my Nana phone. I forgot. She had, she had a comeback to that. Don't worry. I won't, but that wasn't, it was something else. I said, I forgot. There's another quote from Nana. See, he forgot. Uh, he'll get over it. There's another one. Disappointment is, is a part of life. There's yet another Nana quote in there. Get used to it. Toughen up, uh, uh, save, you know, say, here's one, not an anti-quote. It's actually a quote from the weekend. Save your tears for a rainy day or another day. I save mine for rainy days and another. Save your tears for another day. You're right, Nana. Don't misquote the weekend. That That's another Nana. Oh, sorry, I'm in a sleep pod. So thoughts keeping me awake. My ma- feelings uh, related to those thoughts, related to my imaginary Nana that lives within me. Uh, it could be physical sensations. Luckily, I only, only, I don't experience my Nana in a direct somatic way. I mean, I do, but when I have the feelings about my Nana, it brings up uh, a physical response. But I don't have a direct physical response to my Nana. Uh, other, well, I mean, I, I want to bolt, but I can't, you know, there's nowhere for me to go because she lives within me. Oh, did I mention, if you're new, I have I have a Nana. I've never had a real Nana, but I have one that lives within me. Also, if you may, you may see, are you using Nana in a pejorative way? I'd say probably I ain't. I mean, more of a um, huh, good question. I don't think so. I'm referring to an archetypal, my own archetypal Nana. That was that a was that a Wim Wenders film? My own uh, archetypal Nana. I don't know. Like it could have been. 
but but my own person, my own archetypal Nana. I mean, that's really what I have is a, uh, she's a figure, a, uh, not a motherly figure, but you'd say she could have been, she wasn't a mother to either one of my parents and she's not an aunt or an aunt, uh, but she is a, uh, like a figure within me. I think she was formed honestly from, uh, like different experiences I had, uh, during, uh, clearly, I mean, come on, let's the Northern Europeans already put out a couple papers on this. Don't worry. Sorry. I'm sorry, Nana. I have to apologize because I live with her 24-7. Okay, so thoughts, feelings, physical sensations. Any changes in time or temperature or routine? So anything going on? You know, you could be traveling. You could have gas. You could have something coming up. Whatever it is, I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off stuff so you could fall asleep because you deserve a good night's sleep. That is true. Not only do I believe it, there's hundreds of thousands of people listening right now that not just believe it, that want it for you. And they don't want it for you in some way like running across the finish line. They say, that would be nice for you. You do deserve that. And you might see there's a bunch of strangers that I don't know pulling for me. And I say, there are. In this case, really, truthfully, there are. Uh, just like truthfully, I have an internal archetypal Nana. That's only, you know, only my own archetype of Nana, you know, that says there, oh, there he goes again, talk, you know, talking about me and that makes her frown. So I, you know, I'm, I, um, uh, wow. She's as real as day. I mean, you can hear it. You'd say, what, what, what's the guy? I heard the guy from sleep, that sleep podcast was actually able to manifest something in his life. Yep. A, uh, Nana. She moved in with him. She takes, I take care of him. He doesn't take care of me. That's another quote. She put that on a pillow and over the front door and as a bumper sticker and a t-shirt, but like an arrow towards her. She takes care of me. I don't take care of her. Uh, Without her, I'd be lost. Uh, My Nana. Well, I'd just be wandering. Even with her, I'm wandering around. Okay, um... Oh, you deserve a good night's sleep. And, and, you know, a lot of us have been there. That's why I make the show. We might not know, or I might not know, exactly what you're going through, exactly what you're dealing with. But if if I don't know how it feels, someone out there does. And for a lot of us, a lot of the feelings of not looking forward to bedtime strongly, not being able to sleep, the frustration, uh, we've been through that. So I'm here to help. Uh, because you deserve a bedtime you could feel neutral about or look forward to. Now, this show does not work for everybody. The way it works is I send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, which you've kind of already heard and seen, where I go off topic, I get mixed up, uh, then I forget, you know, then I re-talk, I talk about something. He's just He just goes on and on and on, just like she said, uh, my Nana, he won't, you know, he won't let it go. He doesn't know how to do that. Uh, all those things. Those are pointless meanders and superfluous tangents. And a couple other things that are hard to, uh, when you first get here, when you first start listening, uh, that are hard to get used to. One, the show's just not for everybody. 
Well, there is a lot of people listening alongside you here across the world. And we all share that feeling of the deep, dark night. This show just doesn't work for everybody. But for most of those people that are regularly listening, it took them two or three tries to get used to the show. Because at first you're like, what is what is this dude talking about? That's a normal reaction. I just want to validate that. And you say, I thought this was a sleep podcast uh, where you're going to take me on a journey. Sounds like you've got a lot of issues. I said, wow, you are observant. Uh, and uh, what are you even talking about? I say, well, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I, I know what I'm, I, I know, I know it. I know when, you know, my Nana, I know it when I hear it. Uh, I know her when I hear her. I feel her when I hear her. When I hear her, I feel things. Uh, she's my Nana. That could be, it sounds like a song though, like with the thing. She's my Nana. She's my Nana, the musical. Playing 24-7 without music in my brain. Usually only like the part of the second act where, you know, that one part of the second act where there's frowning. Or the longest uh, second act in history. Just like a bit like a sleep podcast. Uh, he'll never let it go. No, that's, that's a, Nana wouldn't say that. She'd have a subtler way to say that. But so... This podcast does take some getting used to. One, because it's a show you don't really listen to. I'm here to, to uh, kind of just be barely paid attention to. Now, if you if you need to listen to me, I'm here. Because I'm not here to, to, to for you to pay attention to me so much as for me to be background noise or something alternative to you for you to listen to. Just like I'm talking about in this other example. You know, when I find something outside of myself to pay attention to, then I'm less likely to get caught up in, you know, these uh, parts of me, these wonderful archetypal parts of me, so wise uh, in her uh, wisdom that she wants to share from with me, but I'm so resistant to it. But if I get outside of myself, uh, you say, okay, this is a little bit distracting. And there are lovable things about my Nana, her ability to shawl herself, Butterscotch candy, the fact that sometimes she smiles, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that she smiles so rarely makes her smile that much more wonderful. That would be also, that's another song in the musical. Could we call it Nana, the musical? I mean, I think that this, here, is there anyone on Broadway that listens to this podcast? I mean, you say, okay, wait a second. That's uh, that's a that's a title for a musical, Nana the Musical. Uh, you know, we, do, we would have some, you know, there'd be a lot of hurdles uh, beyond that, like a plot, and because you plot about your uh, internal archetypal Nana, probably won't. And I say you're right about that. So yeah, but Nana the Musical. <laughs> what did I already say? It's playing in my brain. Uh, but so, oh, so I'm just kind of uh, inane chatter. Yes, Nan, I heard you change the spelling of a name. Um, so I'm a podcast you don't really listen to. It's also not a podcast that puts you to sleep. I'm here to keep you company in the deep, dark night, to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar sib, your boar bessie, your boar burr, your neighbor, your boar bud, your banana, your boar banana, your banana, like Eric, Eric, is it Eric Banya, bon, banana, Eric Banna and my nana. Uh, had a banana, a faux fana, banana fan, a faux ban, you know. So, yeah, that's something that never happened.
You know, he's Australian, Nana. Oh, she knew that. Thanks. So, yeah, I'm more here to keep you company than to take your mind off stuff. If you can't sleep, I'm here to the very end. If you wake up, I'm here. If you want to turn me on later, I'm here. If you need a break during the day, I'm here. I'm here to keep you company. That's it. Uh, and, and just barely entertain you. So that's uh, the two things that take some getting used to, other than my personality, which, you know, it's not for everybody. Sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. Has tons of other sleep podcasts and sleepy audio on there. Um, what else? Oh, the structure of the show throws people off. It's designed in a very specific way, but that can throw people off. So let me tell you why. So the show starts off with a greeting. Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, nanas everywhere. Uh, so you feel seen and welcome. And you say, okay, I could check the show out. Maybe I will. Then there's support for listeners, uh, support for the show and support for communities around the show. And the support for the show comes in two forms. People who directly support the podcast, they actually never hear this stuff because they don't. They get ad-free shows. And then people who support the sponsors, who support the show in return for the support they get. And what that enables us to do is put the show out twice a week uh, for free wherever you want to listen to it. So that's cool. And then there's uh, the intro, which goes on and on and on. Sometimes people lump it in with the support stuff, but it's like 12, whatever we have, like we're at 15 minutes, I think, of me rambling and going on and on and on, trying to explain what the podcast is and getting distracted by whatever's bubbling up in my brain. And because of that... uh, I don't know. People say, oh, is that just the show's like 20 or 25 minutes of ads? It's like, no, this sh- the intro is uh, actually the most important, uh, popular part of the podcast for most fans, but not all fans. Some people like only the stories. Uh, but the intro it, it really serves two purposes. Introduce the podcast to new people. And, uh, like, uh, then it, it, it kind of eases you into bedtime. It gives you part of your bi- bedtime routine. Part of your wind down could be the intro. It eases you into bedtime. So some listeners are getting ready for bed. Some are doing some other rea- relaxing activity. Some people are in bed getting comfortable. Some people are asleep. We're happy for them, kind of, somewhat happy for them. I mean, if you're a regular listener to the show, we're happy for you. If you're a partner of someone listening to the show, you know, we're kind of happy for you. Uh, so 2% of people skip the intro, but just as many people uh, listen to intro-only episodes or story-only episodes. But if you're new, just kind of see how it goes and then decide. But it really is nice to have a bedtime routine and to have a couple pieces of that routine. The podcast, maybe some other chill activity. Whatever it is. Uh, so that's the intro. Then there's more support again. So the show can be free or paying for it can be optional. And then there's a story. Apparently, we came up with it'd be something about Bart. I don't know, something about quotations. And maybe I'll look up what that Bartlett's familiar quotations is. And because it's say, what is that? Who is Bartlett? Was it someone that just loved quotes? I wonder, you'd say, what is. Um, Whoa, now I can't even think of uh, Michael Scott's favorite book. It could be Bartlett's Quotations. If that, if you had to give Michael Scott a gift, pro tip, give him a book. Or you said, 
Has there, was there, a, if you said, write me a, a fan fiction office episode right now, I'd say, well, Michael, uh, someone gives Michael, someone Michael idolizes, gives him the book, uh, you know, that would be one of the, you know, the A plot. Uh, but he would he would need to use the book for something, a part, part of the A plot. But it would be funny to see him walking around reading from, maybe that was already an episode, it sounds like it. So there's that. Uh, oh, so what else I even talk? Oh, the intro. Oh no, no the story. So that'll be our story, not a not an office episode because it's. Uh, but it's something about Bartlett's quotations. Oh, because I was wondering, is that a person or a mega corporation? Is it Bartlett? You say with the purchase of a case of pears, you get a book of quotes, Bartlett's. Or vote for Jed Bartlett, a fictional president, uh, presidential candidate. And get this book that came out 20 years before the show. So that's that. Then there's some thank yous at the end. And, and, you know, so that's everything. That's why I make the show. Give it a few tries. See how it goes. I'm glad you're here. Appreciate your time. Thanks for checking this podcast out. And I work really hard at your next drive. And I really hope I can help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of ways I get to do it for free twice a week. All right, hey, everybody, it's Scoots here. I guess we're talking about uh, Bartlett's familiar quotations, at least to start. I looked this up on Wikipedia. It's often simply called Bartlett's. It's B-A-R-T-L-E-T-T apostrophe S. And it was written by a Bartlett, John Bartlett. It's an American reference work, longest lived and most widely distributed collection of quotations. First issued in 1855, this is all from Wikipedia, and, in, and currently in its 18th edition in 2012. Uh, it arranges entries by author rather than subject, uh, as many other quote, quotation collections. Enters authors chronologically by date of birth rather than alphabetically. Within years, authors are arranged alphabetically, and quotations are arranged chronologically with each within each author's entry, followed by attributed remarks whose source in the author's writings have not been confirmed. And it can it can it contains a thorough keyword index and details the source of each quotation. History. Oh, wow, it gets more interesting. John Bartlett ran the University Bookstore in Cambridge, Mass. And was frequently asked for information on quotations. So he began a a commonplace book of of them for reference. We'll look up what commonplace book is in a minute. Bartlett is generally supposed to have drawn the quotations in his book from his own extensive reading and prodigious memory in that commonplace book. But he acknowledged in the 1855 preface uh, that has been enlarged by additions from uh, an English work on a similar plane. And that work uh, was named in some reviews of the time as a handbook of familiar quotations by English authors. Isabella Rushton Preston. And that was from 1853. It was privately printed in 1855 as a collection of familiar quotations. The first edition was 258 pages, 169 authors. 
but mostly it's from the Bible, Shakespeare, and great English poets, quoting Wikipedia there. The fourth edition said that it's not easy to determine, in all cases, the degree of familiarity uh, that belong to the phrases and sentences which present themselves for admission from uh, what is familiar to one class of readers might be new to another. And again, I guess this is limited in scope, you know, to this uh, uh, person's purview, you know. Uh, let's see. The book had great success. There's three more editions. And then it joined the Boston publishing firm, Little Brown and Company. Bartlett rose to become senior partner of the firm. Let's look up Little Brown and Company. Still, I think, still the publisher. Supervised nine editions of work before moving on to uh, the big publishing house in the sky. Even by 1905, it had sold over 300,000 copies. Uh, seventh edition in 1875, eighth in 1882, ninth in 1891. Then it'd be 20 years before the 10th edition, which was edited by Nathan Haskell Doyle. Tenth edition, also known as the author's edition, was much like its predecessors. It began with quotations originally in English and then arranged them chronologically. Uh, Chaucer was the first entry, Mary Frances Butts the last. Uh, quotes were chiefly from literary sources and then a miscellaneous section of quotations in English from politicians and scientists. Uh, then a selection of translations, which is in quotes, uh, mostly of lines from ancient Greeks and Romans. So, again, pretty uh, limited to this uh, Western uh, viewpoint. Uh, last section was devoted to the Bible and the Book of Common Prayer. The 11th edition was edited by Christopher Morley and Luella D. Everett. Uh, Expanded the page size, created a two-column format, making the first making the first edition, edition that is recognizable to users of the modern work. And they also did a 12th edition in 1948, then 13th edition in 1955, the Centennial Edition. This work was credited to the editors of Little Brown. Preference gives... Uh, Special thanks to Morley and Everett, as well as Emily Morrison Beck. This had more recent material. Two youngest authors, Bill Maudlin and Queen Elizabeth II. Beck also edited the 14th edition and the 15th. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, then uh, Justin Kaplan whose Life of Mark Twain, Mr. Kemp, oh, whose book, Life of, whose book, uh, Mr. Clemens and Mark Twain had won the 1967 Pulitzer. Kaplan brought out the 16th edition in 93. Uh, let's see. Then in the 17th edition, 2003, they included uh, pop culture people, uh, including Larry David. Some classics were cut. Uh, Alexander Pope was dropped. Uh, then the 18th edition came out in 2012. It was edited by poet, critic, and editor Joffrey O'Brien, the editor-in-chief of the Library of America. Oh, there's also the Yale Book of Quotations and the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations. Uh, just looking, there's not a ton of uh, 
Let's see. We got an online of the copy of the uh, tenth edition, or a copy of the twelfth edition, or the fourteenth edition. Let's take a look at the tenth edition real quick. Uh, you know, it's like searchable. So I don't know if I can do that. Uh, chronological index of authors. Let me just click on this here. Just randomly pick somebody. Ralph Venning. All the beauty in the world's but skin deep. Uh, wow, that was from Ralph Venning. Let's I guess let's try one more here. Yeah, sound like people I haven't heard of here. A lot of dudes here, huh? Oh yeah. Uh, William Pitt, Earl of Chatham. Confidence is a plant of slow growth in an aged bosom. It doesn't sound where law ends, tyranny begins. I don't see any um, of these that I'm really. Okay, let's look up the, like I used to think, I remember when I discovered this book, I thought it was a pathway to greater knowledge. Not understanding that kind of quotations are mostly based as a part of a larger context and process, not uh, results. Okay, a commonplace book, though or a way to compile knowledge by writing information into books. Uh, they've been kept from antiquity, particularly during the Renaissance. Similar to scrapbooks filled with items of many kind, proverbs, adages, maxims, quotes, letters. Entries are most often organized under subject headings and differ functionally from journals or diaries, which are chronological and introspective. Commonplaces are used by readers, writers, this again from Wikipedia students, uh, as an aid for remembering useful, useful concepts or facts. So I guess that's a little bit about commonplace. Let's look at a couple more things today. Oh, Little Brown and Company, American publish, uh, publishing company founded in 1837 by Charles Coffin Little and James Brown in Boston for close to two centuries published uh, fiction and nonfiction, including Emily Dickinson's poetry, Bartlett's familiar quotations, and is now a division of the Hatchet Book Group. Let's see what we got. Uh, I don't know. I think that's pretty good. I mean, that's a, they've been around for a while. Mary Frances Butts uh, uh, was in uh, 1890 to 1937, uh, English modernist writer. Uh, found in uh, recognition in literature, ma literary magazines such as The Bookman and The Little Review, as well as from fe fellow modernists T.S. Eliot, H.D. and Bri Breyer. Uh, regained, fell into obscurity, but then began to be republished in the 1980s. Let's see. I'll read a little bit about uh, her work here. Uh... Let's see. These are some of the writings. Uh, Magic Book 4. Oh, by Alistair Crowley. Ash of Rings, armed with uh, imaginary letters. Uh, Felicity Taverner, uh, several occasions. Warning to Hikers, uh, The Macedonian, Scenes from the Life of Cleopatra, My Crystal Cabern, Cab Cabinet. 
Uh, most of her books were reprinted in the 80s and the 90s. Anyway, so the, that's a little bit. Oregon boundary dispute. Uh, oh, 50-40 or fight uh, redirects here. So that was one of the quotes that came up. Uh, the Oregon uh, boundary dispute or Oregon question was in 19... Uh, Century uh, uh, territorial dispute over the Pacific Northwest. So people arguing over somebody else's uh, land. Uh, uh, Russian Empire, Great Britain, Spain, and the U.S. Uh, after the War of 1812, the Oregon dispute took on increased importance between the British Empire, the American Republic, uh, and the Russians that signed in the 1820s the Russo-American Treaty in the Russo-British Treaty, and the Spanish had signed on the uh, Adams-Onus Treaty, and uh, they're trying to figure out uh, who could control the Pacific coast. Uh, It was still contested by the U.K. and the U.S. Uh, The disputed area was a region west of the Continental Divide, north of the uh, 42nd parallel north, uh, and the Russian parallel at uh, 5440. British called it the Columbia District, and the Americans called it Oregon, the Oregon country. In 1844, uh, it was a part of the U.S. It came up during the presidential election. Oh, man, good old Manifest Destiny. Oh, boy. Uh, they they wanted to make an offer on the 49th parallel. However, that faltered. Tensions grew. And they, everyone was urging James K. Polk uh, to annex the entire Pacific Northwest all the way to the 5440. And these tensions gave rise to that slogan, 5440 or fight. Uh, and also the U.S. was annexing Texas. So, uh, so yeah, a lot there. A lot, uh, a lot going on with uh, that uh, Bartlett's quotations. Uh, but, uh, anytime I think about, uh, that, I think about, uh, you know, my Nana always came up and, uh, so thinking my Nana, um, and records that I have, uh, maybe Nana, could we work out something, um, where we go through these records, uh, and you give me Nana's book of familiar quotations. Oh, Nana doesn't want to be on mic. Oh, that's okay. So I'll do this, uh. These are uh, Nana's quotations you're not familiar with. And I'll I'll try to get, this is a quote from Fabian. This friendly world. And, you know, contextually, Nana normally says this, this friendly world. Uh, I would guess she would say it in irony, but let's imagine a world from Nana's perspective, instead of only imagining it from my perspective, right, Nana, finally? As you're saying, so what if there was a world where I was more open-minded about Nana's perspective, right? Uh, and where Nana was coming from, trying to help me, right, help myself. So this friendly world, you would say, that's what you're trying to help provide me with your guidance, is this friendly world, uh Another quote by Fabian, you know, that was the B-side, I assume, because the A-side is Hound Dog Man. And when you say that, you see, like, uh, Hound Dog Man makes me think, uh, 
You say, why are you acting like a hound dog, man? You're saying it in a friendly, helpful way, though, Nana. Because I'm chasing my own tail around, I'm sniffing around. And trying to find my own way instead of just getting help, right? And saying, okay, well, yeah, isn't there anything else I could do that would be good for everybody? Instead of just uh, sniffing, like, why do all the work, right? Just ask for help. Don't be a hound dog, man. Uh, ask for some help uh, in this friendly world. Thanks, Nana. Another couple of people Nana quite likes to quote is Gene Pitney. And uh, one of them is Tower Tall. Uh, I've heard, heard her say that uh, before, quoting Gene Pitney, Tower Tall. And I'd say, okay, that means the task at hand is not going to be easy, right? Uh, we could be walking up the tower. It's going to be tall. We could be looking up at the tower. And it's a simple statement. You know, it's a flexible one. Wow, tower's tall. Kind of like there, somebody told me recently, hey, there's only four prayers, really. Uh, H-E-L-P, thank you, wow, and uh, another one, uh, fudge. Those are four, the only four prayers. Uh, or, or, and I say, okay, I like that. This one sounds similar, though. Tower Tall could be, yeah, it could be wow. It could be Towers Tall, uh, help, uh what are the other ones? Uh, tower tall. Thanks. That's beautiful. Or tower tall. Uh, you fudge. I got to go all the way up that tower. It's going to be or over it. Uh, how am I going to do that? Another thing I hear Nana say from Gene Pitney all the time is uh, half heaven, heart, half heaven, half heartache. And that's, again, another one flexible. She says it a lot about me when I'm at my best. Uh, she says, uh, and then she usually refines it. Well, with you, it's more like, uh, you know, 99.9999999999 heartache, uh, 0.000000 heaven. Uh, and I'd say there's a little bit of heaven in all of us, Nana, but mostly in your smile. And then I said, did that give me to half heaven, half heartache? Uh, but that's something we can all relate to, right? Half heaven, it's a relatable quote, Gene Pitney. Another one I love uh, to hear from Nana, but I, you know, I, and I'd love to hear it in the way Nana means it. She, when she quotes the Chiffons, uh, One Fine Day, she loves to quote the Chiffons, One Fine Day. And again, that can mean it could be speaking about the present, uh, One Fine Day, or, you know, sometimes, uh, Nana speaks would speak about it. She'd be just jesting, but about my bottom dollar. Uh, but it, I don't know. I wouldn't be betting my bottom dollar. But I'd say, uh, and I actually don't know what that quote means. So sure, I probably shouldn't. But she'd say, "One fine day," you know. And I'd say, "Nana, we don't. You don't practice. You're, you're imaginary, so you can't practice corporal discipline with me." But one fine day, we might. Uh, and then another thing I can relate to, maybe a lot of you can relate to when Nana quotes the Chiffons, why am I so shy? Why am I so shy? And you could say it with a forlorn thing, but what, you know, I've learned from Ted Lasso is, uh, or maybe say, I mean, you could say it like that, why am I so shy? Uh, or you could say it in a playful way, uh, or you could say, hey, it's okay, why am I so, so, so shy? Don't know. 
But I'm here by and by to give you uh, everything uh, you can need, you know. But it is a quote that comes up for Nana. You know, another one that comes up, uh, you know, another person, you know, this is Nana's generation. She likes to quote Bobby Darren, B-O-B-B-Y-D-A-R-N. And she says, sorrow tomorrow. And when she says that, you know, uh, I say, Nana, like, uh, I said, what about, how about, okay. Uh, but, uh, like, uh, you, like, what can't we look for? Uh, we, I thought it's one, f- one fine day. Sorrow tomorrow. Is that like you're predicting the weather now? But maybe it's more of a wise thing. Again, if I can embrace Nana the way I embrace Ray, I'm sorry, Nana. Like it, it is a case of you spot it. You got it for me. Cause you're so relatable. But maybe you're saying, hey, save the sorrow for tomorrow. But I would say, for me, I'd say it's okay to be sad today, too. But uh, maybe if you're, here's here's where I think you're coming from, Nana. If I'm focused on tomorrow, it'll always be sorrow. Uh, Even when I'm fantasizing about taking a vacation or being a different person that's uh, living tomorrow like it's one fine day. It's, you know, it's all about living in the moment, right, Nana? Thank you for that lesson. It took me a while from you and Bobby Darren. Another thing I I probably take the wrong way is when you say, you must have been a beautiful baby when you quote Bobby Darren. And uh, I say, like, uh, are you saying I'm beautiful now? Or I'm like, I was a beautiful baby and I'm not beautiful anymore? But I think what you're really saying, Nana, which other people say, is, hey, pay some compliments. Uh, And that's the easy way to pay a compliment. But I think it's probably confusing in the modern-day parlance. So, and plus, most people don't remember when they're a baby. So I'd say, uh, like, just find a way to compliment somebody is what you're really saying, Nana. Oh, then there's your your quote of them. here comes the night, uh, and again, I guess it's like, uh, you know, that's sometimes it's ready, like, hey, here comes the night, let's do our bedtime routine, right, Nana? And to get ready for bed, uh, and uh, here comes the night, uh, it'll be okay, right, Nana? That's what you're saying, here comes the night, uh, and all for myself, that's also another quote from them you like to quote, huh, Nana? All for myself, uh. And that's when I think you're like uh, really, uh, you you know, I don't know, like uh, I don't know what that one means. I'm trying to find the deeper meaning. I mean, I can imagine you. Like, I guess this is my chance to grow because I say, well, if you were hugging me, you'd say, I'm going to keep you all for myself, but that would make me take off, Nana, and you know, want to have my own distance. Uh, but maybe it's that. It's like, oh, I can't have all it all for myself. Uh, I want it all for myself, but I can't have it all for myself, huh? So not easy, but true is uh, you can't have it all for yourself even when you want to, right, Nana? So that's that's another good lesson from you. Thank you, Nana. You know, Nana, I wanted to take a second to compliment you on how... Do, do you realize that your um, quotes are so brief... 
usually only a few words. I mean, brevity is the act of uh, sincerity or sincerity is the act of brevity or something because that's not my skill set. That it could be set on a 45 or a 33 record. But I remember when you quoted Johnny Horton to me, the mansion you stole. And I guess I took it a little bit in my my interpretation of it because uh, I think you were describing it about my habits and uh, cleaning up after myself and staying organized but I took a much different meaning from it Nana that uh, that uh, of heartbreak and uh, but of depth uh, to a person that uh, like I, I guess because I said well, if that was a song that you were quoting the title of instead of a pithy saying. First of all, I'd say, I don't think there's anything pithy about the mansion you stole because you say, but I see, oh, like a person is a mansion, so many rooms, whatever the, I don't, Nana, what's a ball, there's a word like balustrade or something, but uh, I say, okay. That is a way to describe it, or the depth of someone's heart. Uh, and, of course, that Johnny Horton song you like to quote from a movie, I don't know, but where you're going to send, where you tell me to go sometime, north to Alaska, when you send me to my room, when you send me out the door, when you send me on my way, north to Alaska, I know what that means, also because your body language usually helps me. Uh, north to Alaska, that's where I'll go. Now, this one, you know, this is a famous, uh, you, when you, this is the most famous person. I mean, some might say, I don't know, did you quote Donovan earlier or was it, uh, you quoted a couple for people that could, could, could be considered one name people, Uname. This person, they have two names, but they probably, if, if, like Elvis Presley, you say, and I like how you don't do quotey quotes. You do uh, whatever those things are. Brackets? They're not brackets. Uh, parentheses? You say, you're the uh, uh, figure with red spandex in disguise. And I say, there's no disguise in me, Nana. That's re- those are red spandex that I, I'm not that I'm wearing figuratively. It, you, my figure is figuratively wearing red spandex. Oh boy, is it! Uh, and I'm shaking my hips because those mean that I am the red wearing spandex person from beneath the earth or somewhere you know down there in disguise. And the other one, I guess I never took it as, I didn't realize it was figurative, Because, but you quote Elvis, you say, please don't drag that string around. And I always thought that was, uh, like you were just telling me, and I said, well, uh, what, which then I would look behind me to see if it was a string hanging off my clothes, or a lot of times I assumed it was my sho- way you were saying my shoelace. But uh, I guess it's in some sense to gather up the string of the uh, things I drag around. And maybe I should gather those up and not drag them around. 
uh, especially because normally I say, wow, Nana's really asking me in a way I'm unfamiliar with, uh, saying, please. But another quote of yours, I love Nana. Oh, thanks, Nana. Nana just asked a question. <laughs> she said, oh, is this like Bartlett's familiar quotations? Are you doing, what, what system of order are you doing them in? Is it chronological? Is it by, I say, Nana, it's by the stack of records in my hand that I'm reading off of uh, your famous quotes. And this is one of my favorites, uh, except that I always you talk about misquoting Nana. Uh, and even when I, when I misquote you, I do sing this. All that glitters isn't gold, you say, from Lou Christie. But I always say all, you know, I, I, I guess I do. I think, isn't that song, All That Glitters Is Gold? Uh, but then you say that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I'd say, well, that's, I say, I think I learned it from a commercial for cereal or maybe it was for golden um, sugar cubes or whatever they're called. Uh, sugar, golden sugar puffs uh, with the bear on there. Are they just sugar puffs? I think they're golden, and they glitter like gold. And I say, all that glitters is gold. And you say, no, all that glitters is not gold. And I'd say, isn't gold, right, Nana? And you'd say, correct. Uh, and I'd say, well, it still sounds like me, but that was uh, old, or not, Luke. And then I say, is that from, like, then I say, do you know who said that? Now I'll say this, all that glitters is gold, Lon Chaney. And you say, are you doing this on purpose? Because it's Lou Christie. Two faces have I. Oh, boy. If I could say, I say, well, my face, uh, Nana's face usually has, you, Nana, you have more than two faces. And I wouldn't call you two-faced because you're so straightforward and honest. Uh, but if you were trying to simplify it into a song that only had four, you know, a quote, obviously, we're talking quotes here. I'd say you probably would say it, uh, you know, two, two, like, uh, two faces have I. I think that'd be better. Was that a song in Phantom of the Opera? Because I think, uh, does Phantom of the Opera have a song, Two Faces Have I? It sounds like somebody would be singing that in a musical anyway. And Nana, this one will, even you will laugh before, we won't even have to get into this quote, but you'll have a laugh at what you would, would, you know, so will all the listeners listening along at this one. When you quote, quote, quote Connie Francis, but you're saying it like your quote, if my pillow could talk, uh, talk about something for sleep with me. Uh, you know, that's so easy because we have that quote, you know, boy, you know, if my pillow could talk, it's, it'd be nothing to say, uh, other than, you know, no, I mean, I wash, I don't wash my pillow as often as I should. And, uh, like, uh, but you know, that, Nan, I knew you'd have a laugh at that. You're still laughing, uh, too easy, she says, uh. And, you know, Connie Francis also, you quote Connie Francis saying, um, uh, you're the only one who can disappoint me. And uh, then I usually sing, like, another song that goes, do you really want to disappoint me? Do you really, you know, want to make me cry? But then you say, 
And I say, really, I'm the only one that could disappoint. And I say, oh, because you're imaginary Nana living within me. That makes sense. And also, that's a great lesson to tell, tell me. Like, just like we said earlier, I spotted, I got it, right, Nana? Because, uh, yeah, I could do, you know, th- that uh, only, you know, that's my behavior. Like, uh, that's disappointing, you know. And my expectation. So you're right, Nana. Another person, this was an obscure one, but I take it, you know, sometimes you say this when you're frustrated. You quote Leslie Gore uh, and you say Danny, but you say it in a way, you know, where you snap your fingers. So I always thought it was a way so you wouldn't, uh, you know, because you, sometimes you say it after you say, it's my party, the old, that's the, is that the most famous, like, is that the one I cry if I want to? Or is that another one, you know, because I always wonder, uh, I always wonder, is it Nana, like, is Nana, um, is it my party? Um, another one, you know, you, I've heard you quote before is old Gene Pitney, right? And you all like that's when you pretend. Sometimes you you uh, you say because uh, this was one of the f- funniest things. You, you like you say I'm dehydrating you. Teardrop. You just say teardrop by teardrop. But then I had to imagine what you were saying. You just say teardrop by teardrop. Uh, but then I said, wouldn't it be more make more sense if you said little Andy you're 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 dehydrating your nana teardrop by teardrop or hey nana how did you get dehydrated well because teardrop by teardrop by dealing with little Andy I turned to dust teardrop by teardrop um but you could oh boy nana um but yeah I'm sure there's other ways you could and then you said mecca the Gene Pit- Pitney thing, which I didn't understand, uh, and uh, like uh, you, you could, like I didn't know if that was like something like uh, I didn't know if you were working on like a screenplay or something, Nana, where you're trying to write hip dialogue for because then you say, well, when they wrote that dialogue, like uh, I was thinking of Heather's and Tina Fey. I think Tina Fey said, well, they made up the, some of the stuff, uh, so I don't know. And I said, well, I don't know if you should be. Using Mecca as a t- like like I said, Nana, can't we? Can't you just use it in? Uh, but you say, well, I'm not. I'm quoting whatever Gene Pitney. This was one I I never knew. Like it just made me laugh. Uh, Bob B. Socks, uh, you quote and you'd say flipping nitty, and I'd say, did you? How do you spell Bobby Socks? B O and you say Bob B O B B S O double X. And I'd say, oh, wow, Nana, that's some wild stuff. Uh, Bobby Socks, eh? Flippin' nitty. I'd say, those sound like uh, characters from, from like, a Sleep With Me podcast. And then you say, zip a dee doo da And I'd say, is that, like, the song from, a, like, a... But usually that's when you... Uh, that's when you answer my question with a song and you say, Trouble in Paradise, When Will I Be Loved? Uh, and I'd say, are those two different songs? So Trouble in Paradise is, uh, and I guess that's uh, what it's like being around me, huh? You say, Trouble in Paradise. 
And uh, but Josephine, this is what makes me giggle. Itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. And I think Josephine is another quote, right? Uh, you're just quoting various uh, popular artists, vocals, and orchestra, right? But uh, itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. And then Tommy Rowe is another one, Nan. I've heard you. Oh boy, do you love to quote Tommy Rowe? Save your kisses. Uh, and if I could quote Tommy Rowe, I'd say like uh, in that other thing, teardrop by teardrop. I would quote the weekend uh, and say, "Save your tears." And then you'd say, "What are you going to say? Save your tears for a rainy day?" And I'd say, "For another day, Nana." But I mean. If I, but it, here's here's it th- something. Maybe the weekend meant this. Maybe the weekend red cat in the hat uh, as a boy, as a lad. Maybe the weekend chain. Maybe it was save your tears for a rainy day, and uh, that was for the cat in the hat, like some cat in a hat related project. Uh, and it really, the, if anyone knew what was going on with the cat in the hat, there'd be a lot of tears, even though everything was fine. I mean, other than the fish, I guess the fish would sing it. Uh, the fish is that the fish would say, "Save your tears for a rainy day," and then the like, uh, "Be a rainy day, good day to cry," you could say. But you like save your kisses for Tommy Rowe. And I, I always say, well, what does that mean? Uh, you, like, you see, like you don't want, I mean, obviously, you know, we won't be doing any kissing, even, you know. I mean, I could kiss your forehead if, if you were under the weather, Nana. I mean, I'll be honest, our relationship preferred not to be a kissing-based relationship, even a pecking. You know, that's just where I'm at. One day, Nana, the podcast listeners may hear three years from now, it's say, Nana, go ahead and give me a kiss on the cheek. But right now, it's just where I am in my honest growth is I say, Nana, I'm practicing trying to be somewhat kind to you occasionally. And I'd prefer you save your kisses. So thanks for helping me assert myself. And then you quote Tommy Rowe when you say Sheila, who, you know, that's someone in my family. And I say, wow, Sheila. Uh, but then there was also the song, Oh, Oh, Sheila. But that's a different song than what we're talking about. Another quote I like, Nana, is when you quote uh, Doris Troy. It's so rare, but you say, just one look. Uh, and I said, what does she mean by that? Just one look. Like, are you just going to give me just one more look? Or are you... um? Uh, like, uh, you see, just one look. And I say, okay, Nana, I'm just giving you one look of, uh, miss, like, I don't understand. But maybe you're saying it to yourself. Uh, and I'll never forget the day you said, you, you quoted Doris Troy and you said, I got the Bosa Nova Blues. And I said, Nana, I think that was my favorite uh, piece of sci-fi fiction I read as a boy. And you say, no, no, I'm telling you how I'm feeling. And I say, are you sure? I said, I thought that was in a series of books that I read as a boy that I've been trying to get the bottom of, Bossa Nova, Bossa Nova Blues. Don't, don't you remember, Nana? There's two books that I'm searching for the titles of or copies of. 
And one of which is a b- book I read is a, a, a child. I checked it out of the library. Not a not a young child, though. Probably somewhere between first grade and ninth grade. Probably between first grade and, and fifth grade, though, Nana, really. And I could swear that if I was going to invent a title for the book five of that series, it'd be Bossa Nova Blues. Uh, because maybe they live on the Bossa Nova. I don't know what it would be. I mean, you could make it about Bossa Nova, which I think is a kind of music. I don't know, Nana. But I was thinking it, they live on Bossa Nova Station. Or maybe there's a Bossa Nova coming to the planet, so everybody's down. But that was a boy who was my age when I was reading it, who had an android duplicate of themselves, maybe, who was their best friend. But I don't. that's all I remember out the book. I, I mean, other than lying on my bedroom floor reading it and listening to the radio. And uh, so I say, Bossa Nova Blues. I guess I gave you a case of that. And then, oh, of course, Nan, I'll talk about the other book. I mean, the other book comes up a lot, which is a book where, in a, like, where they, the kid tries to, like, uh, eventually uh, tries to dig a hole through the center of the earth. Uh, and it kind of shows scientifically what kind of equipment would be needed as a boy escalates from just a shovel to uh, actually trying to dig to the other side of the earth. But uh, I guess that, would, that reminds me of those quotes where, where you roll your eyes and you, you quote Dodie Stevens coming of age or you shrug your shoulders uh, to be, be, you know, describe my behavior. And you say, I don't know, coming of age. Uh, and I guess I never know what that means. Uh, another one, this is like an emotional thing, you say, like some of the things, I don't know what the term is, uh, but it was called Pink Shoelaces by Dodie Stevens. Another Dodie Stevens quote, Pink Shoelaces. Uh, you know, it reminds me a bit of Ted Lasso saying barbecue sauce when you say Pink Shoelaces. But I don't know. Uh, and then you'd quote, I know you quoted the monkeys a few times. Uh, one of them, you just said words, right? Uh, and uh, like, I guess that was when I was talking too much or I didn't understand something. You'd say words. Uh, and normally I would respond to that with word up. Uh, uh, and you'd say, no, words. Uh, you wouldn't say it's just words. you just say words. Uh, and they'd say, oh, that must be the wisdom of the monkeys. Like that other monkeys quote, you like to say, Pleasant Valley Sunday. And then you'd use the day of the week that's not Sunday. Pleasant Valley Sunday on Thursday. And I'd say, is that what time with me feels like, Nana? Pleasant Valley Sunday? And that was when you'd again quote uh, Connie Francis, as you love to do so much. Uh, and you'd say, everybody's somebody's fool. But then you would move it around. You say, "You're somebody. Every somebody's everybody's somebody's fool. Somebody, you're the somebody, and you're for every." And I'd say, "Thanks, Nan. I'm glad." And I say, "Well, it's good because I have a purpose now." So, but somehow, somehow that quote, that Connie Francis quote, led to the podcast, Nana. Do you believe that? Uh, good old Connie Francis. 
saying everybody's somebody's fool. And, uh, you know, the other thing is sometimes I can, you know, let my feelings come up of jealousy, jealous, you know, and I'm jealous of you, just like you would say with Connie Francis, you would usually, I guess I'm imagining you would say it when I didn't do some, I'm jealous of you. Don't do the dishes, uh, when they're supposed to be done. But I think the one thing that, you know, I love the most, Nana, is, uh, uh, you, you know, when you quote Eddie Hodges or Edie Hodges and you say, I'm a knock on your door. Cause I, again, mistook that as some sort of, uh, passive aggressive statement, but it was more like, I'm going to say hi to you. I'm going to knock on your door with kindness, with love. I'm going to reach out to you and, and quote, I'm going to knock on your door. Uh, and then that other, uh, Eddie Hodges or Edie Hodges quote you love. The last quote we'll share in this book of uh, Nana's unfamiliar quotations, ain't going to wash for a week. Uh, You would usually say that after, if if an occasion I did kiss your forehead, I would hope you'd say that, Nana, or shook your hand or gave you a hug. More, it's not a a statement of fact, but as a, Statement of disbelief, right? Like, I ain't going to wash for a week. Uh, you know, I don't want your kiss. You know, you actually hugged me. But you're, you know, every quote you have in Nana, when I take it, when I take a second to actually listen, is like, uh, I guess I shouldn't wash my ears out for a week. After hearing all this wisdom. Uh, so I'm glad to hear it, Nana. Thanks so much and good night.